Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We are also brought to you by Aria Benefits. We help business leaders attract and retain top talent. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with the amazing co-host and business partner, Al McDonald. Al, what do you say? What's new? Well, I'll tell you this, Robin, depending on the order of release here, the last time that we were on together, I was not feeling so well. I was you kind weren't. of going through the motions a little bit. I was uh, under the weather and not having my A game. But I think I'm better now, and I'm looking forward to this. Hopefully, I'll be uh, I'll be on top of my game a little better today. I was a little worried you weren't going to join me. I have my co-host, and and of course, as our listeners know, as soon as Al joined me, we won that top twenty of 2021. So you know, we don't want to do those episodes without you. So as Al said, I'm very excited about today. Not only is it Podcast Friday, but I have one of my good friends and colleagues joining us. Captain Dave Patriarch. And for those of you who don't know, Dave has a real passion for sailing, more so than anyone I've ever met. So I always throw the captain title in there. He is the president of Mainstay Insurance, where he specializes in employee benefits. And he is also the founder of the CGIB, of which I am a proud member. Good to see you, Dave. Thank you for having me. Good to see you guys too. Well, why don't we start at the very beginning? What is the CGIB? And then we can yeah. kind of get into it. But just for people sure. who may yeah. not have heard of it, yeah. So CGIB is Canadian Group Insurance Brokers. CGIB.ca is a website. And it's basically an association of benefit advisors and others in the space. So it's not just benefit specialists, which majority of us are, but it's also everything from insurance companies and TPAs and PBMs and EAPs and every acronym you can think of uh, get involved as well. And the whole idea is just education. Sharing is caring. I'm kind of a educator forever, although I never use that label until I think I turned 50. But the idea is um, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Everything that's out there has been done before somewhere, somehow. And by sharing, we kind of help build our businesses. But more importantly, we help to safeguard our clients and make our clients more successful. That's a great overview. I think that's very clear. Now, I do have a question for you. And I've been wondering sure. this myself. And you've you touched on it. You're very open. I mean, you you share anything, your best stuff, but you're an employee yeah. benefit specialist. And then yep. 15 years ago, if my math is right, yep. you started the CGIB to help make the, as you said, make the industry better. Yeah. But why do that when technically you and I are competitors? And when I came to your last yeah. event, which was amazing, by the way, it was a full room, couldn't believe it. Yeah. We had standing room only at the back. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. We turned away 23 people from that event too. I heard, I heard, I had talked yeah. to people, Yeah, but yet you're helping the competition and- well, you have me Why? here today. Aren't you doing the same thing? Well, Just there throw you it go. Back at you. So really it's simple math. And okay, so I say to my kids all the time, work smarter, not harder. Like, I mean, why reinvent the wheel, right? So the original idea for CGIB started before the group became official, and it was a little breakfast club. And the idea was if you took a square table or a donut or a big round table, and you put 20 advisors at it, and everybody brought two things. They brought their best idea, 
and they brought their biggest problem they needed help with. Well, if you brought that to the table, you would walk away with 19 great ideas from the other 19 people at the table, and you have 19 solutions to your problem. Now, in real life, you're not going to have 19 solutions to any problem, I don't think, but you'll end up with three or four and lots of different ideas and, and things like that. So at a 19 to 1 return on investment, what's a loss? So I, like you said, I gave away everything. I mean, I've had people call up and go, show me how much money you make every year. I'm like, no problem. I have no problem doing that. Like, I mean, I'm not going to show you my personal taxes, but you know, like I'll, I'll show you the business growth charts. I'll show you the years we suffered because I think it helps people understand. So if it's somebody new to the business, they think, oh, I'm never going to be successful. Yeah, you will be just hang with it. Like, I mean, I got lots of competitors in the business, but at the same time, I don't, I walk away from clients all the time that are working with CGIB uh, members. And honestly, we don't get hit very often. Like, I mean, I don't think I've ever run across one of your clients and I don't know if you've ever run across one of mine because literally there are so few benefit specialists in Canada. So the fact that we all kind of know each other and help each other, I think is just good. And yeah, a better competitor isn't a competitor anymore. They're just better educated. They don't need to steal a case from me. They'll earn them all on their own. And we're in the Ontario market, 400,000 businesses in Canada, of which half don't even have benefits yet. So there's, there's lots of business out there. We don't need to be cutthroat. That's kind of why, how, and how it all works. I love what you've done. And I will let you know that that belief of yours and what you're trying to put out there and the message you're putting about sharing, it's very contagious. Because when I first came into the business, yeah. that is very counterintuitive, right? Like you want to, yeah. this is mine. I don't want these ideas to get out there. And I have to admit, when I started the podcast, I wasn't sure that I wanted to put it out on LinkedIn because my competitors yeah. are there. They're yeah. going to listen to it. They're going to steal ideas. And yeah. because of your events, I ran into a broker that I know quite well, Justin James, yeah, at, yeah. at the last event. And I Great met guy. Justin. The only reason I know Justin is because... Pre-pandemic, I met him, yeah. he sat at my table, we hit it off. And the conversations that we've had outside of those CGIB meetings, sharing ideas back and forth. Hey, what yeah. do you do for this? Hey, I've got this issue. And I do that with, you know, a handful. Chris Gorey would be yeah. another one. If there's anything going on in the tech space, I reach out to Chris. That's my go-to. And, and you created you just nailed it. Yeah. You just, you, I mean, Justin's young. Yeah. Uh, Chris is kind of a uh, bit younger than me, but all techie and stuff. And like, yeah. you know, we're in the same age range-ish and stuff. Like, I mean, you end up connecting with people you would never connect with any other way. So yeah, keep going. Yeah, it and is contagious. Yeah, it is contagious. And and what's really interesting is it's affected me because I'm willing to share information back to people. But everyone that I've approached, whether it's be Chris, whether it be Justin, they're very open to sharing those ideas. And yeah. they know that I'm going to respect the information that they give back to me. And I'm not going to yeah. you know, do silly things with it. I'm going to use that appropriately. So I think you've, you've done a really good job. So kudos I to you. Well, thank you. And I mean, it's people like you that make it work, right? It's great to lead by example, but if nobody else picks it up and, and I had actually a funny thing happen a few years ago at one of our events, there's a, a person in our industry who's kind of a bit of a user. So he tends to kind of, you know, suck information from everybody, but not really give too much back, but he's a nice guy. And I know him, I respect him. He does good work. He came up to ask a bunch of questions after a seminar and he had like five questions and there's kind of a lineup of people. So after he left, the person behind him goes, why are you helping him? That guy's a total dick. He would steal anybody's business. I go, well, I kind of look at this a couple different ways. One, maybe if I help him, he won't steal my business. And they're like, well, yeah, but meanwhile, the rest of us are getting screwed. And I'm like, well, hold on a minute. Maybe if I help him and he learns the skills and everything else and ups his game and builds his education, and his practice, maybe he doesn't have to screw you either. And they're like, well, you're pretty positive outlook on things, aren't you? I'm like, well, 
you know, like it's better than the alternative. Like he's never taken a case from me. Has he taken a case from you? No. So what are we talking about? Right. So there's lots of business to go around and people like yourself and Chris Corey and Justin James and everybody, they're all kind of given back in some ways it's public, some it's direct messaging and stuff, but that's cool. That's what makes it happen. So that's a great approach, Dave. Obviously a lot of people are going to benefit from that. You guys are talking a little bit of a language that I don't totally understand because obviously Robin is the specialist in this world. So I have a question for you sure. and maybe you can just talk about what you think makes a great employee benefits specialist. Someone that's new to the world like me yeah. uh, or not in this world, you know, talk about how employers are supposed to find a good advisor over to someone who might be a generalist or an order taker. Can you just maybe address yep. that a little bit? Let me do it in two parts. So what makes a good benefit specialist, I think, is somebody who specializes, who is like really hyper-focused on benefits. Now, you guys set it up well. You've got your life people, your investment people, Robin's your benefits people and stuff. So, you know, have the people to refer to. But Robin doesn't have to be a specialist in everything. He can just concentrate on one thing. So I think specializing is a first step. And I think then when we get into the next step of what makes you good, it's being a great listener and being a partner and a solution provider. And you can kind of switch those around in order. But we have too many order takers in our business. So somebody will say, hey, I want to put in an everything plan for everybody, including our part-timers that work two hours a week. And a lot of people just go, no problem, we'll build that for you. Whereas I think a good partner sits down and goes, hold on a minute, what are you trying to do? Here's kind of what the rules are. Here's what you want to do. Here's what we can do. How does this all come together and provide good solutions? Now, so part two of that is how do you find a good benefits broker? Well, number one, we have an open membership list on CGIB. So you can go on and search by person's name, company name, or by province and stuff like that and look for advisors. You can always call me and I'll connect one with you. We don't get a ton of employers, like a, a handful a year, reach out and say, like, I'm looking for somebody. I don't put it out to everybody. You'll have somebody say, look, I'm looking for somebody who understands the gaming industry that's located in Toronto, that can handle a startup that's going to probably be bought out in five years. And then you go, okay, that's a Chris Gorey space. He's all tech and everything. Not that other brokers couldn't, but he knows the language. So that's one source. The other thing is when you're looking at your advisor, again, trying to encourage specialization, Look at their website, look at their business cards or virtual cards and find out what they're saying. If they say that they can do home and auto and your skidoo and benefits and life insurance and your pilot's license, you know, I don't like whatever, they're a generalist and it's not the end of the world. And they may have other people in the office that do those. But if you can find somebody who actually says benefit specialist or their website concentrates on benefits, I think that's a good clue. You're going down the right path. Well, thanks for, uh, you know, kudos for expressing the way that we're set up and explaining that because that is our approach. And yeah. uh, obviously we've got someone on board that uh, is a specialist on the benefit side. So totally, that's, it, it makes life easy. Like, I mean, and it's, does. yeah, I used to be in the benefits space a little bit, did not enjoy it. So I was very happy when Robin came along and took that off my plate. There you go. Yeah, we have, they all have perks. I think the benefits business is the best business in the world, but whether you're doing life investments, living benefits, like whatever, there's so many areas. I've got a woman who I used to pass business to years ago when she was just starting out and she used to handle life insurance and stuff for my clients. And she called me after, I don't know, five or six years and said, I'm sorry, I don't want any more leads from you. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what went wrong? Like, did I give you somebody bad or did somebody do something? And she's like, oh no, no, no. She goes, I just specialized. So I said, okay, well, what's your specialty? She goes, I'm doing lawyers over age 55, living benefits, a little bit of life. 
I'm like, wow, that's hyper-focused. And she goes, yep. And they all know me and they know what I do. And she goes, I live in that world now. And I thought that was fantastic. Hey, Dave, you said something that I think is really important for our listeners. And I'm hoping because you're on the episode today, we get a lot of other brokers from the CGIB listening. And I think it's important to talk about a little bit. You said one of the skills a great broker has is being a good listener. And it's interesting. We hired a marketing consultant recently to interview some of our top clients because we wanted, rather than guess at what we do well, let's, you know, we wanted to hear from our clients. And one of the comments or one of the themes that we consistently heard was they liked that we took the time to get to know them and their firm. Yeah. And we ended up hiring a lady named Christy Holden. I would highly recommend her. You can reach out or you can reach out to me if, if you need her contact details. But I think that's incredibly important. As I continue to mentor people and bring people on, that's one of the things that I'm trying to communicate that take that time. Yes, it's going to take more time rather than just saying, hey, I'm just going to run you a couple of quotes. But it saves you time in the long run. It does save you time. And you you get aligned clients. Yeah. Yep. And you have a much deeper relationship. And clients that we've done that with, we've had for 14, 15 years. I mean, so you're right. Spend that time in the beginning. And I'm so glad that you uh, spoke about that. Yeah. And I'll I'll add one other part. You got to be able to say no to your clients. I mean, nobody wants to hire yes people. Maybe they do, but you don't want them around your business for any length of time. You want people to challenge you, whether it's your employees or your partner, clients, those things. I have a great example. I have a client I had for years and I just handled their office staff and their office staff, it's family business was five or six people. And then they had all these contractors and different people that they used all over, like about a hundred or so. So they said, we want to put in a plan and we want to put in a benefits for all the hundred people. And I'm like, okay, stop. What's the idea? And they, you know, we want to retain people better. We don't want people leaving and looks good for new hires. So I said, okay, now let's talk about the structure. They go, well, we got contract employees and we have independent contractors that bill for their time. We want to get them all on. I'm like, oh, hold on. There's some tax things. So I said, I think you should do this, but I don't think you should do that. And so the client knows me and gets me and he goes, okay, you're not supporting me in this. I'm like, no, I'm not. Cause I don't want you to hurt yourself. And I have a line I use all the time when things go bad is I don't want to testify against you. And he goes, whoa, why would you testify against me? And I said, well, if something goes offside tax-wise in this structure, which is kind of offside, then somebody's going to ask me in the lawsuit, hey, did you not tell your client this is offside? I'm like, oh, yeah. In which case, I just damned you. I just testified against you. So he's like, okay, let me think about it. So he stewed on it for a couple of months, went back, talked to his employment lawyer, talked to his accountant, and his accountant said something or how he explained it to me, like, you should listen to your benefits guy. Yeah. Keep these people that are arm's length, arm's length, keep these other ones, make them employees. And they restructured their entire employment thing. And they have that new model to this day. And he thanks me all the time for helping him get it set up a better way. And his accountant, she reached out and said, nice work. That's kind of nice. You didn't have to do that, you know? So I like that line. I might have to steal that, but uh, you're more than welcome to. Thank you for sharing that story. That's a a great story. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the challenges because the world's changed quite a bit over the last couple of years. What do you see as the biggest challenges for advisors providing solutions to their clients these days? Lack of insurance. So we don't have small group pooled product and that's one of the things we need. So right now, the insurance companies have slowly moved themselves away from insurance more into a transactional business. And kind of, I always say that the banks want to be insurance companies because they see the high profit margins versus penny stuff. And the insurance companies want to be banks because they see the steady financial transaction business, although smaller revenue, but consistent and no risk. 
And so I think the problem is we don't have that small group insurance. So if you have a high cost drug claim, your rates go through the roof and we have very limited options. You can put in a drug cap or an exclusionary formulary, but those should be fully pooled. That's in the US, for example, most groups up to 50 or even 100 are fully pooled. Everybody goes in the same pool, whether you have a million dollar claim or no claims, everybody's rates are the same at the end of the year. And instead of us negotiating a three life group, a three employee group, we can actually spend our time and use our skills to come up with better solutions rather than trying to fight a insurance company or TPA partner that's kind of got unreasonable renewals. So I think that's our biggest challenge. There's lots of advisors out there to do the work. There's not a lot of specialists. There's maybe 500 or 1,000 in Canada max, but I think it's product. And I think that's going to be the biggest change in the coming years. And we're trying to affect some change there and create some new products that are more protective of small companies. Yeah, you're right. It's so important. I remember, and I won't call out the the carrier here, but I remember years ago going into a, not going into a client, but getting the renewal and it was, you know, they had had a, a Remicade claim had shown mm. up and it was not a, not a big group. And the renewal from the carrier was approaching 60%. And I said, obviously, you can't go to a client. Nobody budgets for a 60% increase on their benefits plan. So I put pressure on them. Came back a week later, the account executive, all right, very proud of myself. I've got you a solution. Here's the solution. I've done really well, 45%. Yeah. Like that's not a solution. And we ended up, it's a longer conversation, but we ended up doing very well for that client. This is eight years ago. They're in such a better position because there are things out there, but it's so But that's new. That wasn't around 10 years ago. Like, I mean, they've been adding new product. You're right. And the sad part of this, and I've got a client that I've had for over 20 years now, they were in the same boat and they had their first person who had a high cost claim. So for listeners that don't know, Remicade's about $18,000 a year the base cost, and you can get up to double dosing, which is 36000 or so a year. And that has a huge effect on rates. So this client had an employee with that. They started out at the lower dosage. The insurance company raised stop loss levels, which meant their renewals were bad, not once, but a whole bunch of times. And then all of a sudden they had the second claim. And another employee with the same drug and the same dosage came in and just blew the, the rates out of the water. And uh, we did a little bit of a deeper dive going, what are the odds? This is a small group of 20 employees. And what we found was, and this is kind of advice out there for employers and stuff, the employee that had the high cost claim was a, a skilled tradesperson. He was in the clinic one day and a guy sitting beside him said, oh yeah, I just got laid off and and I'm a, you know, whatever pipe fitter or something. He goes, oh, we're hiring actually pipe fitters right now. So he was referring people from the clinic for Remicade to his employer, which is not necessary. I mean, great, you know, it's hard to find good skilled people, but you kind of don't want everybody walking in with a $35,000 drug claim attached to them because, you know, your costs are going to be through the roof. Unusual situation. And we had to come up with some pretty creative solutions to make it sustainable. Still a client, just did the renewal, working well. So, Dave, I've heard many times from Robin about the CGIB and how beneficial it is to him. So can you talk a little bit, you know, do you feel you're making a difference in the industry? It sounds like you are from everything I I hear from Robin, but talk about if you think you're making a a difference in the industry and maybe have some examples of that. Yeah, I'd like to think I am. There's a lot of days where I kind of feel like I'm pulling my hair out, spinning my wheels, whatever analogy you want to use. And I kind of go like, nothing's changing. Like, I mean, our industry is just plodding along and and stuff, and I get really down on it all. But 
I think I am. And, I, and not just me. I think there's a lot of us making a difference. One thing I, I will say before I give you an example, CGIB is an education group. It's not an advocacy group. So I don't speak on behalf of CGIB members. We are all independent. We all do our own thing. In the past, I've kind of said, oh, hey, let's all try and get behind an idea. And the industry will be split half and half. Half will go, well, that's a great idea. And half will go, no, don't do that. For example, I during G19 around disclosure in our industry of commissions and compensation, which I'm supportive of disclosure, I had people saying like, no, we don't want to wipe out bonuses. We, we make a million dollars a year on bonuses, like a, a large firm. And they know that everybody else is, not everybody else, other people are saying, oh, no, 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 like get rid of bonuses. They're just hidden incentives for bad behavior. Like let's price appropriately up front. So we don't speak as a cohesive group or anything. So what I tend to do is I take on personal fights that I think relate mostly to my clients and I'm trying to protect them. And then I just scale it up to change the industry. So I'll give you an example. A few years ago, we had um, a client with a employee that was off on mat leave. And the employee did not want to pay their share of the premium. And in their case, it was just long-term disability. It was like about $45 a month or something. So they said, oh, I don't need coverage. I'm just going to waive all my coverage. And I went, stop. I have a problem with this. And this is me. I'm not saying everybody has to do this. I said, would you let an employee that was going in to have a hernia operation or their tonsils out or their appendix out, would you let them drop their benefit plan, their life insurance and the LTD the day before their surgery? No, that would be crazy. You wouldn't tell anybody that. But somehow we're going to let a woman going off on mat leave who hasn't had a baby yet. We don't know how that's going to go. It, hopefully, great. But stuff happens. Like, we wouldn't do that. So I said, like, let's keep that person whole. And if they don't want to pay it, you pay it. And this employer was a unionized employer. And they're going, whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't want to pay it. We've got rules. And the union, we can't make an exception. So I said, okay, here's the deal. I'll pay it. And they went, what do you mean? You're going to pay her premium? I said, her LTD premium. Yeah. I said, I'm going to go to her place. I'm going to get 12 post-dated checks for her, for her mat leave to give to me. And I'm going to pay the premium to her. Like I'm going to write her a check and then it's, it all works. Oh, sorry. The post-dated checks will go to the employer. So yeah. And they go, well, why would you do that? I go, cause I don't want you being on the risk or on the news of somebody not having disability coverage who had maybe a troubled childbirth or something like that. So anyway, that started this kind of conversation. And I found out about half the insurance companies in Canada Actually, when a woman went off on mat leave and she paused her benefits, when she came back, she was treated like a new hire. Now they'd waive the waiting period, but the pre-ex on LTD would still be there. So what that means is if you were off on mat leave and you had postpartum depression, very common, saw your doctor, talked about it, so it's in your file, and you, you know, you're doing okay, and then you decide, okay, I got to get back to work, and all of a sudden you lose a, a parent or a spouse. And you're back to work the first week and this happens and you're full-blown depression. Well, half the insurance companies would say that's not a disability claim. That's a pre-existing condition. And because you took this little break, you're not going to have disability coverage when it's a legitimate disability. And I went, that doesn't seem right. Like you're kind of discriminating against women returning from mad leave. So I took on the battle, started calling insurance companies and saying, I think what you're doing is, if not illegal, it's kind of immoral. So I want you to change it. And so Obviously, immediately, every insurance company said, yes, we're going to change all our policies in Canada just to follow what you want because you think it's a good idea. And I'm like, well, I'm asking. And you know, one or two said, we'll look at it. And so then I did up a list, made it very public saying, here's who does it right. Here's who screws over women returning from mat leave. 
Well, very quickly, the list started to change as people kind of don't like public shaming and don't like looking bad. And so in the end, we've got about 98% of Canadian insurers now keeping women whole when they return. So when that was finished, we shared all that data with CGIB members and the public overall. So you can go on the CGIB website and you can see the different projects and kind of what the responses were from different insurance companies. I leave out all the responses that are like, hell no, we'll never do this and just give this, yes, we'll gladly do this, you know, three years later kind of thing. So to answer your question, yeah, I think I'm having an effect. I don't think it's as big or maybe as as much as I want it to be, but you know what? I'm past couple of years, I'm, I'm getting pretty happy with it. Well, I'm sure there's lots of people out there that are very happy with your efforts. And obviously there's going to be a lot of people that are affected in a positive manner by what you're doing out there. They won't even know. It'll just work for them now, which which is great, right? They won't know. And that's going to be a good lead into a question later. Okay. Yes. Before we get to that, Al, I've got one more question because I'm hoping Dave will be willing to pull back the curtain, so to speak, because there's so much, and I think you spoke about it, Dave. I mean, you really have to specialize in your niche and we've chosen employee benefits. But even specializing in one product line, I mean, there's just so much to know. And then on top of that, so you're operating as an advisor, but you're also operating as an educator. Yeah. How do you keep up with that knowledge? And then how do you share it out to the rest of the group? Because you're a big advocate of sharing and getting better as an industry. So two-part question. I was hoping yeah. you could... Uh, so I digest a huge amount of information. So in a year, I probably read, I don't know, thousands of articles. Like it's it's huge. So I go to lots of seminars. I get involved in lots of things. I mean, Robin, you've touched on like kind of a couple parts of my life, but there's a whole bunch of other, like I do work with pharmaceutical companies that helps me learn about drugs. I do work as expert witness in court cases around benefits. So that helps me understand the legal employment law, all those interactions and stuff. But I mean, for the most part, I read literally hundreds of things a day to digest down to the things that are most important or what I think is most important. And I share that in the CGIB newsletter. We do every two weeks, they'll just be, here's all the things you should be reading. And I'm not reading thousands of articles front to back. I'm like, if I see something that's about life insurance, I'm like, not interested. Pension, not interested. Human rights, oh, that's kind of a neat one. And so we take out the stuff that we think is relevant and try and provide kind of a short list of what your reading should be and kind of in like curated content. So you don't have to read through a lot of garbage. And we do that through our Slack channel through CGIB as well. So if something can't wait till the next newsletter, we'll kind of post it in there and sometimes both places. And the great thing, and I don't know how many of our members do this. I then take that information and share it with my clients. So if I put 20 articles of interest in the CGIB news, there might be one or two that are HR or employment law related. And I'll then shoot those around in my blog to my clients and stuff. So it's not just helping the industry, it's helping me and my clients and that as well. That's a great idea. And I'd love to share some feedback that I got recently on someone's first event. We hired a new account executive, Chris, back in December. And although he'd been in the industry as in benefits for eight years, he had never attended a CGIB event. So I brought him out to his first one, You know, paid for everything for him, of course. And the next day in our huddle, I said, so what do you think? And this guy wouldn't shut up for the next 15 minutes because like I met this person and this person. And then I I introduced myself to this speaker and he just got so much value out of it. And then when he got his first newsletter, he's like, this is incredible. There's so much here. We can share exactly what you said, share it with clients. So you are doing a a great job. And I'm very proud that I've had you on the podcast before, but everything that you're doing, I'm very proud to have you on the show. But we've arrived at the time in the episode where Al 
is going to ask his signature question. I would say from my standpoint, you've already answered the question, but maybe there's something else that you want to say. So we'll let Al take it away. You had a nice lead in before when you were, you were talking about, you said people probably won't even realize some of the efforts that I've made to benefit people. So it's a good lead into the question. And, And here it is. A society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you may be planting? That's a fantastic question. That's the old pay it forward. And what are you creating for the next generation or the next iteration or whatever? So yeah, I I talked about the maternity leave one. There's lots going on all the time. And I mean, I do try and mentor people. I don't do it formally anymore. Just I have hundreds of people I kind of informally mentor, I think, rather than two or three that I used to concentrate on. I'll tell you one of my biggest failures that I think could end up one day, hopefully, having bigger, longer-term implications and creating more shade, if you will. And the failure is the Trillium Drug Program. So if you're in Ontario, if you're an Ontario listener, we have a great program here called the Ontario Trillium Drug Program that helps with high-cost claims. And during one of our events many years ago, it was a small event when CGIB was still kind of a bit younger, we had uh, the Ministry of Health come out and they did a presentation. And the speaker said, we become first payer after Trillium deductibles reached. And I went, whoa, 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 slow down. I think he just misspoke. And and he goes, no, no, I didn't. Anyway, well, I won't go into the technical because it gets really kind of messy. But what we found was the provincial government in Ontario is supposed to be paying for high-cost drugs, and they were supposed to be for the past 20 years. And instead, the insurance companies trump the process, pay for it ahead of the province, so now our employers have to pay for it. So I went, oh my God, this is terrible. We got to fix this. Nobody knows this, obviously. Otherwise, this would be a great thing for employers. So I got on my one-man band show and took on everybody and educated everybody and nobody believed it. And then I had another event. We ended up with like not 50 people in the room, but 350. And the ministry repeated again, yeah, Dave's right. And you just kind of go, wow. So the insurance companies went, oh, it's too hard. We don't want to do it. They make money on claims, so there's a financial loss to them. And the province actually stepped up and said, okay, you know what? This is so bad, we're going to fix it. So they created a point-of-sale thing. Unfortunately, because of change in politics and the party that lost and the new one that came in, it was all shelved. And so my hope is that that project will someday see fruition, and it might be in the form of national pharmacare or some combination thereof. And that will then make plans more sustainable for especially small business for years to come. So I'm hoping that the seven or eight years of effort will create some shade. Right now, it's a Charlie Brown Christmas tree more than a big sprouting oak. But those are the type of things I think we got to fight long term so that there's legacy past us or life and legacy beyond us. Very nice. (laughs) No charge Um, (laughs) (laughs) tie-in. Thanks for that. Listen. We all know how the Charlie Brown Christmas tree turned out. There so you go. maybe yeah. there's some hope there. Yeah, there you go. A little Linus's blanket, a little bit Absolutely. of love, and, and away you a go. A little bit of love. There you go. Well, Dave, thank you so much for joining us today. We've been planning this for a long time, and thanks for sharing, being so open about oh, all the information. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself, what you're doing at Mainstay, the CGIB, how to get into sailing? I mean, you name it. What's wow, the best way yeah. to get- I'm just about to sail my sailboat in the spring. So my sailing tours are over for a while, just everywhere else in the world. So mainstayinsurance.ca is my website. You probably don't need me. If you're an advisor or even an employer and want to kind of learn a little bit more, cgib.ca is a website. 
But if you want to shoot me an email, Dave at mainstayinsurance.ca, try and kind of help out everybody. I will definitely encourage people to join CGIB. So don't call me with a million questions. I'll answer one or two and then I'll say, okay, it's time to get involved. And real life, CGIB is a, a better group think than just relying on me or any one person. And I, I want to say thank you guys for having me here because I, what you're doing is great. What you're sharing is fantastic. I listen to Rich's podcast from time to time that come in and dealing with employment law and all that kind of stuff and how you protect clients is just so great. So keep up what you're doing. Well, thanks very much. Appreciate it. All right. That does it for today's episode. I really enjoyed this conversation. As always, I hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. Success leaves clues, my friends. Mm-hmm.